0: Welcome to, uh, again, as we continue through our series in the Book of Exodus. Um, I am happy that this is the first week I can actually stand and preach in a few weeks. So I might be a little animated today. I might even yell and scream a little bit today because, I, you know, I can stand up and walk around. I'm recovering well from my surgery. So um, thank you all for your prayers and thoughts. I uh, am doing much, much better this week uh, in particular Um, But we are uh, journeying on, and we are going to cover Exodus chapters 21 through 24 today. Last week, we talked about chapters 19 and 20, which are the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments kind of set the moral code for the scripture. These are these kind of universal truths that a lot of society and a lot of um, kind of morality has been based on. And we talked about how it really is... uh, Kind of when Jesus comes, he really uh, demonstrates and expounds on the Ten Commandments through the Sermon on the Mount, and he sums up really those teachings in the two, the two little quick phrases: "Love God and love your neighbor and so these are kind of those laws these are the truths that, that throughout all generation are uh, to be the foundation for morality is those things, but there is. Kind of a different category, and I alluded to it last week. There's a different category that is much more difficult and much more challenging. And it's kind of those uh, principles. It's those other things that are not necessarily always universally true. They're not like things that, that like for generation to generation, they continue on. And so that's what the Exodus chapters 21 through 23 in particular kind of deals with. And I'm not going to read all of those chapters, but here's like a little synopsis on some of the things that Exodus 21 through 23 talks about. It talks about treating servants who work for you properly in your, um, in your home. And that was a foundational thing in that culture and society is that they, they did have different classes like all cultures do, but they were... Uh, like making sure that they were treated properly and fairly. They talk about personal injury. If somebody gets injured or if there's a problem, uh, you know, how do you rectify those situations? They talk about protection of property, making sure, you know, people won't steal from one another, but how you manage all of that. Different social responsibility ...different uh, things that we can do to provide justice and mercy for the most vulnerable people in the culture and society. talks about the Sabbath and how we should rest. And then it also talks about how we should worship God and remember God through these different festivals. And it talks specifically in chapter 23 about three specific festivals that they should have to honor and worship God... So, these things are really hard in our culture and world to apply to our day. It's like, is all of this stuff that God said over and over to these people, is this, is this stuff that we should do today still? There are people in this world that take those, some of those things very seriously and very literally. There are people who like, make sure those days, uh, like those celebration days, are honored very specifically. The way that they like there's more laws that even come throughout the Old Testament talks about how you should eat different things like that, what you should eat, what you shouldn't, and they apply those very literally but that's that's kind of difficult in different contexts and different times and so how do we deal with these things and I think it really is the harder one that requires more wisdom. We all can get behind. Don't lie, don't murder, don't commit adultery. Those are pretty clear and black and white. But in our world, we face lots of moral dilemmas that are not perfectly crystal clear. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, And so in the scripture, this is kind of the terminology that is used over and over in the Old Testament and New Testament. You know, to kind of talk about these kinds of things, these principles these agreements these things that like are guiding society how we're going to live and work with one another and the the term that is often used is covenant it's a covenant it's an agreement now i am a part of a covenant community anybody else a part of a covenant-controlled community. It is a – my HOA is considered a covenant-controlled community where they, we have, as neighbors, made a covenant to one another. That sounds, that sounds pretty serious about how uh, many trees we will have in our lawn and if we'll mow our uh, grass and will we pull our weeds and what color our houses will be painted. That's – I mean that's a covenant that we have made. Kind of trivializes the word covenant a little bit, but that the idea is is a group of people together making an agreement on how they 'll live civilly together, and that is pretty significant and pretty important for the people of god and there 's lots of important moral truths that are contained in that, and but sometimes it 's hard to to nail it down here 's what it says kind of at the end of this portion of scripture where there 's all of these. Kind of um, Principles that are established for the people in that time in exodus chapter 24 verse 3 through 8 it says this When moses went and told the people all the lord's words and laws they responded with one voice Everything the lord has said we will do And so that's a really important part of that covenant That everybody agrees and they say we will do it The lord has given us a roadmap of how we're going to live and we're going to do it Then Moses wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning, built an altar at the foot of the mountain, and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young Israelite men, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls. The other half, he splashed it against the altar. When they took the book of the covenant and read it to the people, they responded, We will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. This is the agreement. We are, we are bound by this. This is serious stuff and they have ceremony that is involved with that. And this is what we agree to. You know, one of the great pictures in our society of a true, profound, important covenant is a wedding ceremony. That is a perfect, that is a beautiful picture of a covenant. Where two people willfully go before their friends and family, before God... And say, I dedicate my life to you. To, to exclusively you. And I make that covenant to you. That is a willful thing that we decide and we choose. And it's something we put ourselves into to say, like, this is serious and this is how we will agree to these different things. And that is a covenant. In many ways, it's one of the most powerful uh, moral things that people can do is that we'll agree to do these things. We'll agree how we will treat one another and respect one another. Um, and so this is kind of the category that we're in, but of course it requires a lot of wisdom because not all of these principles, um, are applicable in our time and and era. Not all of them are. You don't have to worry about oxen and different things like this. Some of these things are different. We don't make the same kind of sacrifices that Moses and them did. And part of it is when Jesus came, Jesus said, I am establishing a new covenant. And the covenant was based on him and his blood. And he said, you can be a part of this covenant by professing your faith in me and repenting of your sins. And the new covenant was established ceremonially by Baptism, And so it's kind of a new one. And so these things do change over time. But we there's so many different principles that we need to not just kind of throw out and forget. Um, Paul talks about this a lot in the book of 1 Corinthians. As he's talking to a group of people who are not Hebrew, who are not Israelites, who did not grow up with any of these ceremonies, any of these rules... And, and grew up in a totally different place but said, we believe in Jesus and we're going to follow Jesus with our life. Well, what do you do then? Do you start performing ceremonies like the Israelites did? Do you follow all these things? And they had to figure that out. And that's kind of the world we're in as well. And so in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul talks about this kind of dilemma. And the whole book of 1 Corinthians really is working through a lot of these things. But he says this, he says, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Great little principle. That's 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 23 and 24. And then later he says this in verse 31. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jew, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. So he establishes kind of this idea that some of these things are not universal truths like the Ten Commandments. And even talks about some people say you shouldn't eat this kind of food or you shouldn't eat food that was sacrificed to an idol or, or anything like that. These are Old Testament laws. And he says some people still follow those and some people don't. Um, is it a matter of right and wrong? Not necessarily. There's other principles that override it. And you have to say, you know what? I I can do that, I can eat that, but it may not be constructive or beneficial, and I have to seek the good of others and make sure I'm not harming others. So he kind of, these are the kind of things that all cultures down through time tend to argue about. Things like food, that is something that's argued about. Many people to this day don't eat pork or certain, certain kinds of things because this was Old Testament law. I don't... I don't personally abide by those things because I don't, I don't think that is something that is a universal truth that continues on. I love bacon as well. So uh, that's, that's part of it. But then there's other things like certain celebrations, certain traditions. And you think, oh, we don't worry about that very much. Oh, yeah, we do. If you go to a certain church service, it is very particular exactly how the service goes putting out round tables like this and like setting up a coffee style, that would not be acceptable because that is a different style. If you go to our Spanish service at three o'clock, it is a different style. And there are things that people are, it's really important how they worship and some that it's not as important. Some people highlight different holidays or different seasons in different ways. You know, kind of uh, the church in our culture like makes a big deal about, you know, about certain days like Easter and Christmas, historically, there's been different days or different times where they didn't emphasize these things as much, and different groups that didn't emphasize these things as much, and there's other things that are more emphasized, and so sometimes people are like, that's the way we do it, and that's the way it is, and it's right or wrong, and you got to make the choice, and that's been a problem. And that's actually hurt a lot of churches and divided churches. There's another category with that. And, you know, kind of celebrations, traditions, food, other things like that. They're kind of like things that are passed on that feel like there's a moral right and wrong that are kind of hard to figure out. Well, so it takes some wisdom with this. And I want to kind of delve into this, and I hope that we can grow up to a, be in a place where we are wise in how we deal with these things that are not 100% clear, okay? So one, one um, portion of scripture, again, Paul gives us lots of instruction on this, is in Romans 14, he says, "Accept the ones whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. The one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. And that's kind of the principle he lays out. He says, there are some things that you should not quarrel about over disputable matters, uh, that are unclear as to what's right and wrong So I think there's two categories here that we want to talk about And I'm using the terminology that Paul uses Is kind of supporting the weak And when I say weak, I'm not saying like You know, this person is, is lesser or in a different category What I'm saying is, is They just have maybe a little bit more stringent Or, or difficult time accepting uh, like other things and maybe they're in a different place in their journey, in their relationship with God, or maybe from a different culture. And so that's the terminology Paul uses, but let's not get hung up on that term weak, okay? But supporting the weak is, there, there's some principles that we've seen in these, these scriptures that I think can help us with this. The first principle, I think, is the people principle. And that is throughout scripture that is almost Universal. It says the pe- the people principle is kind of saying will it harm someone else? Will it do harm to someone else? As you know we already read it says you know just we should never do something that is not for the good of others. We should not do something that harms somebody else's faith. Um you know there are many times That I have a personal opinion about certain things in the scripture. I have a personal opinion, maybe about things uh, regarding politics. I have a personal opinion about different things that, you know, I could easily encompass in some of my messages or sermons. And I have to be really careful. There are moments in time where I don't say everything as far as what I believe. Now, now, understand... (laughs) If that, that is, you know, it's not me trying to be deceptive. It's not me trying to, like, you know, whatever. But there are some things that I have opinions on, but I could potentially be wrong, and I could potentially offend, and it's not an essential thing. Sometimes I just don't bring that up in this kind of environment. If you talk to me on the side, I'll probably give you my opinion. But there are moments in time where I say the people principle overwhelms the, the like, my argument principle. Am I going, is the pr- purpose of what I'm saying to win an argument and maybe ruin a relationship or an opportunity? Or is the idea to help people out? And that principle should override any of our concerns. And I think sometimes, unfortunately, our world has been really, really divided because people haven't first, like, like, put people first in regards to discussions like this. Now, this doesn't mean that we should be people that don't stand for anything. This doesn't mean that we, we shouldn't, like, have particular opinions about anything. Like, trust me. I am somebody that is opinionated and passionate. Trust me. And I'm happily getting a debate with you. Trust me. But the point is that there's some things that are not things that we have to like ruin a relationship over. That we will like like focus in on to the point of harming that relationship. There are things that we should have that we say, this is This is clear. And I am going to, I believe this to be 100% and I'm not going to like move on this one. But there are times when things are not crystal clear, when it's not 100%. And we have to use our people principle as our first filter to say, is it going to harm others? You know, think about the social media world. And you know what? The stuff that I've decided, like it's an an amazing tool. That right now I have, you know, 800 friends on Facebook and at any point in time I can communicate with 800 people by putting a post post up and it's pretty amazing. And I've connected with people that I went to elementary school with and high school with. Pretty cool, right? But then also, you know, like that can be an incredible tool just to kind of spout and destroy and divide. I've chosen that like on that, I put pictures of my kids and positive things, and that, that, that's what I choose to do, okay? Because I do not want to harm a relationship or be out there in a place where I, I ruin the opportunity to have a voice with somebody else. And so I think the people principle is something we need to keep in mind, and that's what Paul is talking about. There's a second principle that goes hand in hand with this. Is it all throughout the scripture? It talks about unity. And so the unity principle, I think, is another filter we need to have. Is the unity principle is, will this divide people or will it bring people together? Does it build up the community or does it tear the community apart? You know, there's been many times I've been in, in meetings or team exercises where you're planning something together. And I had a great wonderful idea of exactly how it should be. And I bring it up to a group of people who are helping me with something. And they all look at me like, no, that's a terrible idea. And like, I, 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 I have to restate it again. I say, no, you don't understand. You're not get, get grasping this. It'll be wonderful when we do, you know, this is what will, you know, how it work and everything. And they're all like, no, I don't think we should do it that way. And there's times where we have to stop and we have to decide, is the goal my agenda or is the goal for us to be united? Throughout scripture, uh, the church, really, it's one of the main instructions given to the church over and over, is that you're to be united. You should be united. And actually, in some places in scripture, it even gives us this picture that if you're united on things that are like these debatable issues... God will be behind you. But if you're divided, God will not be behind you. That is really interesting principle. Can you, can, and, and it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But let me, let me kind of give you my opinion. And I, I'll try not to divide with my opinion. This is my opinion. This is not script. But my opinion is, there are lots of different expressions of Christianity and faith. Lots of churches. There are churches... Um, That do things differently Have a different style Have a different way that they worship A different way that they lead And little minor differences on opinion On what the Bible says in practice Okay And sometimes those groups Are united around certain Particular things I think God uses Our differences in opinion in that way To reach different people There's some churches that are really good and really connect with people on one level and other churches that don't. And guess what? God uses them all. God uses us in one particular way and another church in a different way. And because it's different and they have a different little slant on it, it doesn't mean right and wrong. It maybe means God will use that group for a particular purpose, and another group for a t- particular purpose, but what needs to be universal is the people in those groups You need, need to be united. They need to be together. Not a bunch of in the middle of it, fighting over one another, because that tells the whole world that the community of faith is, is a mess, and it paints a picture of a group of people that aren't truly loving their neighbor, or putting people first, or being united. Sometimes two groups might have the exact opposite opinion on something, some particular minor detail, and they might both be right at the same time. I I believe that to be true if they're united in that way. So the unity principle is really important. Will it bring people together or will it divide people? All right, so I think that these are things that we need to do to make sure that we don't push people away. There's some people that we will push away or personally or as a group if we don't uh, hold up the people principle or the unity principle. And we need to support kind of those who the scripture is using the term weak in this context. But let me push back on us a little bit. How do we move beyond being in that picture of weak? Because I think there is a progression. I think there should be a maturity that grows up over time where we start to let go of some things that maybe we held tight to in the past. And I think this is just kind of a process of, of growing up in our relationship with God and becoming mature and becoming wise. When you're a kid, things are a little bit more black and white. Unfortunately, when you become an adult, things get a little bit more cloudy, and it requires more wisdom and more discernment. And so, as we grow in our relationship with God, I think we should be moving towards a place where we're, we're not in that category necessarily of weak. Um, and I have a couple of suggestions. First of all, it's it's about graciousness, being gracious. And there's lots of principles that go along with this. But first, first and foremost should be we forgive quickly. When somebody harms us or somebody has something else against us or somebody does something that offends us, we should be quick to forgive. That is something that is clear in Scripture. That how we forgive others is how God forgives us. We should be quick to forgive. We should leave space for God's grace uh, to work. There are so many times that maybe we we are, are, are looking at other people and saying, Man, you need to get your life together. And it is that's kind of an immature picture of looking at other people and just kind of being the person who is always criticizing everybody else but not recognizing the journey that you have personally come on. You're a different person than you were 10 years ago. And other people may be... 10 years behind you in their journey. And we need to be gracious with them and understand that people like, need time. That doesn't mean like you know, we, we, we don't help them along or prayerfully, but we should be gracious with others. We should like, give them time and space to become the people that they are. You know, one of my pet peeves, I'm, I coach uh, Little League Baseball. Right now, I've coached high school baseball. I've competed at a pretty high level in baseball. And right now, you know, I'm, I'm doing uh, 12 and 13 year old baseball. And here is something that I hear sometimes, okay? Now, there's, there's one thing that you can, you can instruct a kid and help him out, say, hey, when you're batting, you should have your hands up a little bit higher because that'll help you have a level swing. You know, that'll that'll help you. That is like constructive feedback. That is suggestions. That's technique and all these things. And then there's this other category that drives me nuts. There's 12-year-olds that are out there swinging at a ball and trying to hit a ball that is moving in the air. And they swing at it and they miss it. And guess what sometimes parents or people, your coaches say? Hit the ball! Well... Okay, we all know the point of the game. We know to hit the ball. We know that that's what we're trying to accomplish. And that doesn't do us any good. Guess what? 12 and 13-year-olds sometimes are trying to hit the ball, but they miss it. Because they're, they're, they're trying, they're working, but they can't quite do it. And sometimes we treat others like that. And that's unfortunate. And if the church ever gets into the category where we look at everybody and we're like, stop sinning. And that's it. That is not a helpful place. It's just a harmful place. And I've seen, I've seen dozens of kids after they drop a ball and the crowd says, catch the ball. Or swing and miss and the crowd says, hit the ball. Kind of all of a sudden they're like, their, their momentum, their energy just gets deflated. And other people where you say, look, if you hold the bat a little bit different, you know What? This can help you out, this can help you out, and you know what you can do better than you 've done before, and i 'm here for you and let 's practice it together and you know what if you swing and miss i 'm going to be right there for you and we're, we're we'll work on it some more and 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 like you're okay you're okay we're going to keep working on it we're a team here, and we 're together that can can change something in a very profound way having a community of faith that gets around people that says. Hey, you're struggling a little bit. You know what? Here's some things that I've I've learned in my life. And you know what? We're here for you. We're going to help you along. We're going to we're going to coach you up. And you know what? You're always, you're always welcome here. Come over, let's have coffee. Let's talk. Let's hang out. Let's 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 do this together. That is a place where people are really changed. So, leaving space for grace, being okay with the journey of others and where people are at and being supportive. Just blind criticism, just yelling at our community and neighborhood, you're sinners and you're all in trouble, I, I don't think that's helpful. I don't. But telling our community, let's do this together, we can do this, that is profoundly life changing. So we need to be gracious. We need to be quick to forgive. We need to leave space for grace. We need to be okay with the journey of others. But you know, know, we also need to be humble. We also need to be humble knowing what we don't know. That is a great great thing that you could develop in your own life. Knowing what you don't know. I have been so challenged and encouraged over the last uh, seven weeks as Rick has written some of the some of the details, some of the um, archaeology, and some of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff in the book of Exodus. And I've learned so much from that. And when I read it, I have the same response every time. And they're like, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, that's not something I knew. you know. And I tend to favor the side of um, kind of practicality and philosophy. And I don't get – like sometimes I'm just, I'm just not quite sure about some of those details and things like that. What a great thing. That has added to my learning to know what I don't know and what I can learn from others. Unfortunately, we sometimes get in a place where we say, I know what I know and nobody can tell me otherwise. That's not a good place. God doesn't want you to be a person that stubbornly says, I've I've arrived, I know what I know, and there's nothing else that can change my mind or anything like that. Be open to other people's point of views. Know what you don't know. And here's a little challenge thing that is a real test of humility. And this is, this is another, this is my personal opinion, but here's a challenge that I have for you today in having kind of this conversation about these things that are debatable. Is that I'm going to say, I challenge you to move your line in the sand in to, towards the side, a little bit towards the side of grace. Here's what I mean. We, we need, at some point in time, we have a line. We have a line that maybe we say, this is the line of what I believe. And, and that is okay. We should have things and we should have principles and we should really rely on them. And, and we should, uh, as the scripture said, be mindful of our own conscience and follow that through. Of course be open and teachable to God's universal truths and don't change those lines. But what I mean by this is I put a line in the sand and say this is what I believe, and on this side is what I would say is uh, Christianity, and on that side is people who are not Christians. What I've tried to do is move my line in the sand to the place where I have to have it. This is where I have to have my line. There are things that are just clear and is what I reside and put my faith in. And this is that Jesus Christ is my Savior. He lived. He died. He rose again. And I put my faith in Him to save me. He is the God. You know, uh, and these are the things that are like kind of universal principles that if I stepped away from that— it would be something that is not Christianity anymore. Um, there's a couple of statements that the church has made over the years, like the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed that are like kind of the essential, essential statements of what it is to be Christian. This is, this is what it is. And what I've decided in my life is I will draw the line where I, ha- where I need to draw the line. Those are the essentials and all of the other debates and arguments, I will not have my line there, and I will not put that line there on other people. And so my line is where it has to be, and I think it needs to be on those essential things, and I'm only going to really, really like, fight tooth and nail on those, and the other ones, I will be okay And 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 so that's that's how I deal with that. It's hard, it takes wisdom, it is challenging, and we don't in any way want to like speak out of churn or speak um, like put a line in a place where God doesn't God make doesn't make a line. We want to be wise in that, but I would say that is my default position is I, I draw the line where I have to draw the line and no further. I don't put an undue burden on other people. Because I have personal opinions. If you have a different political point of view from me, like that's okay. If you have a different interpretation on certain things that aren't essentials, I'm okay with that. But I want to make sure that I follow like the people principle, the unity principle. I'm gracious, I'm humble, and my line is only in the place where I have to have. So, there is a lot of difficulty in our world and lots of challenges, lots of things that we have to navigate. But this scripture kind of gives us these pictures of a covenant, of a relationship, of an agreement. That God says, I'm making an agreement with people. Here's how we're going to treat one another. Sometimes we get bogged down in lo- laws. And laws are not sufficient for all of our morality. Instead, here's how God treats us. He shows up to our world. He shows up on our terms. And that's what the scripture says over and over. And Jesus shows up and becomes a human being. He shows up in our terms and reaches out to us. If there's people in this world that are looking at the Christians in this world and saying, I don't know, could I ever, could I ever follow that? Is, there, is that something that I would ever do? We should be the type of people that come to people on their terms and are gracious and humble and are trying first to think about the people principle and unity principle and be gracious and coach people up. As they come along. This is how God treated us. This is how God treated the nation of Israel. They needed some structure. They needed society. They needed some some rules and laws. But over time God says I'll give you a new covenant. And I'll give you a new picture. And we'll continue a new agreement on how we'll do this. I want to invite you right now just to take a moment to pray and maybe think about and reflect on maybe some of the debates or discussions or attitudes you've had. The people principle and the unity principle would lead us towards making sure that our first emotion and feeling when we see others, even people who have very different opinions than us, should be one of love. We should care for them. We should have genuine concern for them. And empathy. We should forgive quickly. We should be gracious. And absolutely there's time for right and wrong. Discussions of right and wrong. There's times for other discussions like about repentance and sin. But we should be the type of people that are humble and gracious God, I just pray that we be a community of faith that is identified by our unity. Identified by how we care for one another and treat one another. Help us to navigate this difficult challenge of figuring out how to to follow through with some of these things that are unclear. Give us wisdom, we pray. And I pray for God that all those people maybe that are looking at us for a picture of who you are. I pray when they look at us, they see a picture of love.